AFCON 2010. The trade show that you know where affiliates always attend for free makes its way to Denver June 21st through 23rd. Register today at AFFCON2010.com. AFCON 2010 is different from those other affiliate trade shows designed for the affiliate manager, where you can pay up to $1,500 just on a single registration. That's why AFCON 2010 offers you an alternative, a show that's free for affiliates, not to mention over 80% of our attendees are affiliates. AFCON 2010 brings you a wide range of sessions, essential for significant affiliate marketing achievement. Plus, we are proud to be working with Search Engine Strategies to present an additional day of all new search engine marketing sessions and tracks. Add unbeatable nighttime networking capped off by WebmasterRadio.fm's annual affiliate bash, and you have the complete affiliate trade show experience for free. Join the thousands in the affiliate marketing community that are making the switch to AFCON 2010, the trade show that's free for all affiliates. June 21st through 23rd in Denver. Register today at AFFCON2010.com. That's AFFCON2010.com. Feel you're getting the most out of your current affiliate marketing program? Find out as today's top advertisers and publishers unite on the all-new Affiliate Marketing Today. Join your hosts, Commission Junction's Advertiser Account Director, Kim Dozell, and Publisher Business Development Manager, Brian Caldwell, as they share valuable insights on promoting strategic relationships, discuss the state of the industry, and offer you a rare glimpse into the minds of today's top players. See how to get the most out of your affiliate marketing program now as we present the all-new Affiliate Marketing Today, the industry's only broadcast, offering unique perspectives of both advertisers and publishers. Now, here are your hosts, Kim Dozell. And Brian Caldwell. Hey everyone, welcome to Affiliate Marketing Today. This is Brian Caldwell, one of your co-hosts. I'm a publisher business development manager here at Commission Junction, which basically means that I recruit and nurture new publishers and bring them into the network and help them uh, ramp up their revenues. I'm here today with Kim Dalzell. Hi everybody, welcome. My name is Kim Dalzell and I am an advertiser account director and I'm responsible for helping advertisers to work with publishers to grow their revenue online. Today, our topic is affiliate marketing primer, and we're going to actually be dividing this subject into three segments. The first is going to be a beginner or an introduction segment. The second is going to be more of an intermediate segment. And then the third will be for those advanced users. So, Brian, why don't you tell everybody what affiliate marketing is all about? Sure. Well, affiliate marketing at its base level is, is really a, a direct selling channel. And what that means is that uh, advertisers can leverage publishers and the reach that publishers have in the online space to deliver targeted advertising. It, it's essentially creating a new revenue channel. Maybe we should explain to everybody what an advertiser is and what a publisher. I know we've, we've I know there's a lot of confusion as to what is an advertiser and what is a publisher. I know it gets confused every single time whenever I talk to somebody. Well, there's definitely a lot of descriptions out there for each model. So publishers essentially, I mean, sometimes referred to as affiliate, sometimes referred to as associate or partner or reseller or content site. But really what a publisher comes down to as, as being defined as is an independent party or a website that promotes the products or services of an advertiser in exchange for a commission. It's really that simple. I, I think, you know, part of that description, you include advertiser, and advertisers think sometimes the confusion is, you know, what is an advertiser trying to sell? So really an advertiser is a merchant 
or a retailer, sometimes an e-tailer or an e-retailer, anybody who's trying to sell something online or drive leads online. Um, I think we at Commission Junction a lot of times refer to it as really any website that sells a product or service they accept payment and then they fulfill some sort of order. Typically an advertiser at Commission Junction puts an ad or a link on their for their products and services on a publisher site and then pays those publishers for a commission for either a sale of a product or a lead that results from that publisher site. And I think uh, that's a great description. It probably leads us into the next discussion point, which is really an overview of uh, now that we know what the affiliate marketing is, but uh, an overview of the affiliate marketing space in general, because there's there's three basic models that are uh, available to consumers out in the world. And Kim, do you want to start off with a discussion of the the first model? Sure, sure. So the first one, you know, we've broken it out into three, and there's probably others, but these are the three main the main types. Um, the first one is direct relationships. So that's typically when an advertiser will set up a relationship with a publisher um, outside on their own. So they're not using any sort of um, network or anything like that. They're really forming a direct relationship. Um, but the, you know, there's pros and cons, and I know Brian and I have talked about this before, where I look at things from an advertiser perspective and he looks at it from a publisher perspective. So one of the pros of having a direct relationship uh, situation with an you know, affiliate marketing program is from a, pr- a pro from an advertiser's perspective is they own that relationship. They can pay whatever they want. They don't have to worry about anybody else's technology or having to pay someone like a commission junction. Um, but the negatives of that could be that they do have to set up all those individual relationships on their own. They do have to pay those publishers um, on their own, so that involves a lot of structure inside of their own company to be able to facilitate that. So there's IT and those types of things that those types of um, departments that they have to rely on. A lot more um, infrastructure involved there. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. And I and I think that there um, it, it limits their scalability. Absolutely. And in from a publisher perspective, really thinking about uh, you know. It, it, Creating direct relationships seems like a great idea because you can probably get an extra buck or two on on sales that you make. You know, it seems really wonderful to be able to say, "Oh, I work directly with Brand X." Um, but the reality tends to be uh, the same kind of thing. It's a matter of scaling. Uh, one, you have to create individual relationships over a period of time, and so if you wanted to have access, say, at the holiday time period, with a number of retailers that really focus in on, say, Christmas or, or um, Hanukkah, then you have to have those relationships lined up well in advance. And it's just one example, but you also are looking at receiving payment from multiple sites and chasing that payment down, etc. So <laughs> everything comes with a pro and a con in this situation. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And I, I think that... Uh you know, you brought up a point with where the, the you know the advertiser is going to have to do a lot of work, and the publisher is going to have to do a lot of work when there's a direct relationship. I think right. finding each other is a, is hard as well. They, they oh, that's a really good point. Ways. How do you get in touch with one another? Right, right. And, and then the other one that we have here on our list is um, independent affiliate programs. So, you know, similar to direct relationships, there's also independent affiliate programs out there. Similar, like Amazon.com is one that most people are familiar with, they're not using a large network like Commission Junction or Performix or Linkshare. They're using their own network 
and they've grown and they've been very, very successful. Again, it's similar pros and cons. They've got to rely on their own infrastructure. Um, you know, one thing we didn't mention with direct relationships, or I didn't mention with direct relationships, I should say, is that when you're an advertiser, you have to rely on the publishers doing the right thing for you, and then you have to police that. And that's the same thing with independent, this independent programs like Amazon. They have to police things like if they're bidding on keywords that you don't like, that all is now reliant on, on the um, advertiser to do that. And from the publisher perspective, that might be seen as a pro, actually, because you can get away with quite a bit more uh, that, uh, that the uh, larger networks might be uh, a little more strict on. Yeah, but and I, another I thing to consider with the independent focus. programs is that for every independent uh, program you're working with, you're going to have a unique user interface to, to work with. You're going to have a unique set of tracking technologies to work with and as, w- as well as payment methodologies. So if you're creating direct relationships and or using the independent uh, affiliate programs and, and you're going to be um, a big publisher at the end of the day, you're really juggling quite a number of different independent tasks that uh, really could be taken care of by the third model that we're about mm-hmm. to talk about. Right, which I will let you talk all about CJ. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not just about CJ. CJ does happen to be the largest affiliate network in the world. There are some smaller networks that you, you might be aware of, such as LinkShare and Performix, and a few others out there that, that um, you know really under the radar for a lot of folks. Um, but the thing about the network model is, is in, in, at least in the way that, that we have things set up here, is that it's fully open network. That means that advertisers and publishers are free to sign up, create accounts within the, the, the framework of our you know, metrics tracking reporting system and find each other very easily through either a directory structure where you can drill in on a category uh, basis or do keyword searches for instance, on uh, trademark brands or types of merchandise, things that you want to sell. The whole point here is that you have full control over the finding of those relationships, the discovery of those relationships, and also in, in approaching the advertisers because all you know, everything you need is essentially at your fingertips through a network model. Mm-hmm. And I think one thing that I know you and I have talked about is with, with technology. I mean, technology is very important for the publishers, and uh, technology is actually very important for the advertisers, not only just tracking, but I wanted to mention that for the advertisers, they also want to know what is the newest, latest technology in affiliate marketing. And when you are going with a company like a, a Commission Junction, a LinkShare, or Performix, they're the ones who are going out and building that technology for you. So in a direct relationship or an independent program, that responsibility falls on the advertiser to do that. Um, whereas if you're using the network model, then you have the ability to to, to be able to... You can use the core technology of the network, but you can also still continue to add on through things right. like exciting stuff like APIs and other web services. So that's exactly right. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, I think we should talk about some just some quick um, advertiser and publisher examples before we wrap us up and um, go to the commercial break. So do you want to talk about some publishers, just types of publishers that are out there? Well, sure. There are a lot of different publishers and there are a lot of, a lot of different advertisers uh, in the, the CJ network, per se. Uh, I think we have today between fifty and 70,000 active publishers. But some of the top publishers that, that come to mind for me would be folks like Ates and You Promise and Jeremy Palmer and Move Marketing and 77Blue and About.com 
and Daytran Media, all of which have um, somewhat similar models in, in certain ways, but also very different models uh, of doing business in other ways. Uh, as I'm sure you can say, you know, it's the same for the type of advertisers that we have in the network, right, Kim? Absolutely. I mean, advertisers that um, have very different models. And you know, we we've been working with um, such advertisers as. Citibank and eBay and Real Networks, um, Lower My Bills and Yahoo, Circuit City, Best Buy, and even just listing all those off, they're all selling different types of things online. Um, so as you can well imagine, they, they have different, not only different models of what they're selling, but their, um, how they're paying out the publishers, which I believe is one of the topics that we are going to be getting into in our next segment. We'll be right back after this commercial break. You're just minutes away from more Affiliate Marketing Today. Stay tuned. A rose by any other name would still be the same. Move over, Shakespeare. You need to differentiate yourself from your competition. Do it by aligning yourself with a company who has earned the trust of Jupiter Media, the NHL, and Lionsgate Films, among others. Moniker.com is the most secure ICANN accredited register on the planet, offering you domain registration, hosting, domain sales, and acquisition services. Wrap that up with 24-7 support. That's your winning combination. M-O-N-I-K-E-R. Com. More than a name. Click Tracks, all new version 6. Prepare to segment your visitors and build custom reports on the fly with the most comprehensive and intuitive web, web analytics programs on the planet. Stan Noyes, president of Zephoria.com, writes Click Tracks is like a religion to us. We rarely consult our clients on site or campaign changes without first seeing what Click Tracks reveals. Sign up for your free trial today. Your only risk, you may end up in our next commercial. ClickTracks.com, turning your future into a fortune. Once a tool used exclusively for communicating with the media, PR Web was the first company to develop a distribution strategy around direct-to-consumer communication by implementing Web 2.0 technologies. PR Web has completed the online communication loop by directly engaging your audience with your news. For example, PR Web is the first newswire to integrate press release trackback. Whether you want to dominate your market or just make a little noise, PR Web is here to help. You thrive in the marketplace and the media. PR Web. For the last decade, millions of visitors seeking top ranking have visited their site. When it comes to the internet marketing expertise, one name clearly stands above the rest. Bruce Clay Incorporated. With a flexible, time-tested, and spam-free process to SEO and PPC, Bruce Clay has become the number one choice for companies of all kinds seeking to improve their search engine ranking, utilize their latest tools, training, consulting, and services. Let Bruce Clay create a tailored solution to meet your internet marketing needs today. Bruce Clay Incorporated. Now, back to Affiliate Marketing Today, only on webmasterradio.fm. Here's your host. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. This is Affiliate Marketing Today. Uh, As a reminder, this is Brian Caldwell and Kim Dalzell. And what we thought we'd do is, since we we just kind of covered the the three basic models of affiliate marketing, is uh, just to jump into some of the basic business models that are used by the publishers at this point, and then we'll talk a little bit more about the advertisers. Cam, I, I know we, we chatted before the, the show here, and Ken came up with a list of 
of models that are out there in, in the world today. We're going to be pretty brief today because our, our next show, tune in next week, is going to go into some details of how these, these models operate. But just real quickly, let's, let's run through the list here. Okay, sure. Um, there's websites, there's email, uh, there's search, which is ever popular. Um, we find that that's, that that's actually one of the leading drivers of a lot of affiliate uh, marketing today. Um, there's ad networks, there's software, um, and I think, I think I've covered them all. Did I miss any? Well, yeah, there's a, there's a few more, I think. Um, those, some of the more advanced features are, are kind of fun. The guys that, uh, and gals that handle API feeds, um, and just to draw a line, there, in search, there's both the, the folks that do really well with organic placements and those that do really well by driving in paid clicks, uh, paid, paid placements, and so on. Um, did we cover contextual and behavioral? No, I don't think we did. Why don't you talk a little bit about those, too? Well, th- those are, we're not going to go into details today, <laughs> I don't think, but I uh, <laughs> just wanted to get that out there on the table for the moment. Just to get people thinking that are listening to the show of, of all the, the variety of ways that publishers today are, are using to aggregate and drive eyeballs or consumers to offers that are presented by advertisers that are available through a network model. Yeah, and I mean, I think I think one thing we want to stress is this is not an exhaustive list. There's uh, there's many more that are coming up, and I know Brian, you and I have talked before about um, RSS and podcasting as we're on today, um, and those are new and upcoming ways to be driving more and more uh, sales for advertisers. Um, and I know that in speaking with a lot of advertisers that, you know, over the past few weeks, some of that, sometimes it can be a little bit scary, but um, it's, it means a lot, of, a lot more revenue for these guys. Um, a lot of the publishers, I like to say, are very inventive and very experimental, and that's a, that's a great thing for the advertisers. They're trying to reach a lot of those consumers that sometimes advertisers forget about. Absolutely. So probably the most important thing for publishers is how the heck are they going to get paid? Right. right? <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's a fairly important thing for advertisers as well, uh, i.e. The, the concept of what commission structures to use in affiliate model. And I know there's a lot of different ways that an advertiser will think about um, putting together a, a commission structure so that they can hit their numbers and, and really achieve the ROI that they're looking for. It would be really interesting if you wanted to talk right. through uh, that from, a, from an advertiser perspective, and then I'll chime in from a pub side. Sure. I think um, you know, when an advertiser decides that they want to do affiliate marketing, they really need to look at what their program, what are they trying to get the consumers to buy. Um, and that's really, you know, when, once they think about that, then they have to think about, well, how do I, based on what the consumer is going to buy, how should I incent or pay the publisher for those types of things? So, you know, Typically, if you're looking at a, a regular online retailer, so let's say, you know, a Red Envelope or a Circuit City, they're selling general consumer products. Um, it's pretty easy to pay the publisher because you're typically going to pay them as a percent of what you are, what revenue you're getting, so a percent of sale. So just to draw a line, if, if I'm a publisher, I'm selling, uh, I'm helping sell a TV from Best Buy, you know that TV may be a thousand, couple thousand bucks. Then 
I'm going to receive what from that? So you might receive, you know, for a TV, and actually this kind of gets into more of a deeper thing that we could talk about in other, another, probably a whole other podcast, <laughs> but um, if that's a high-margin product, then I might be incenting that publisher to want to drive more of those sales. So it would be, you know, say 5% of that $2,000 could then potentially go to that publisher. And I'm just throwing out, again, I'm throwing out round numbers because it it really can depend on margin. It can depend on, um, you know, return policies and things like that. So there's there's a lot of things that that are involved that the publisher has, I'm sorry, the advertiser has to think. See, I'm even getting them confused. (laughs) The advertiser has to think about um, when they're determining what that percent of sale should be. And then kind of stemming from the percent of sale, there's a, there's a totally different model that still works mainly with larger retail brands that have product to sell, which is uh, the bounty per sale model. So, you know, take the same idea of selling a TV set, and instead of getting a percent of, of that particular transaction, um, then you're going to receive a, a flat bounty number, uh, or say, you know, a couple bucks, a few dollars, ten bucks uh, on each sale, regardless of the, the model of TV. So you might sell a you know, a $20 TV or a $10,000 TV if they have those. <laughs> right, exactly. And and I think, um, you know, probably from a publisher perspective, and you would you would know this best, I would guess that they that publishers prefer to have a percent of sale because if they're selling larger items, is that is that true? Well, I think so. I mean, it really or depends on the right publisher right. model because there's, there's a variety of different models that, that are out there, as we said. And if you're the type of publisher that's only after, you know, the the biggest dollar amounts that you can earn on, on a given transaction, then you may decide only to focus on promoting a certain slice of a product catalog from any given advertiser, solely to focus in on those high-ticket items, knowing that you're going to get a larger uh, payout at the end of the day, as opposed to, say, running a, you know an all-inclusive product feed uh, that has the entire 2 million SKU catalog from a given uh, advertiser and, and really hoping to play the numbers, as it were, you know, and, and convert as much of your traffic as possible with that one large catalog. Um, I think, you know, I think from an advertiser perspective, they really have to, they, they try and do the numbers as to what's going to work out for them from, you know, from a return on investment for them. Exactly. So it's um, really working out both ways. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so the last one, the last model that uh, CPA is, is really known for, and that's... Uh, the bounty per lead uh, model, which essentially says if, as opposed to selling product, you're really generating user contact information uh, on a contact form. And, and, and a good example of that would be like the, in the finance market where mm-hmm. consumers interested in getting a, a loan for their house. Right? We have a number of advertisers in our system that are essentially collecting those leads, and then selling those off. Maybe you can outline a few more details of that. Right. I, I always look at it as if you're, if you're an advertiser that you're going to be doing something else with that information. So if uh, you're selling mortgages or you're selling, um, you know, sometimes cruise lines do it where they just want the information and then they're going to market to that, per, to that consumer later on. Um, either market to them or call them on the phone. Uh, a lot of times with a big ticket item, for example, um, if you're going to sell a timeshare, no one's really going to buy a timeshare online. They probably have, they may 
they may be willing to put their information in, but they probably still need that, you know, warm phone call to be able to, you know, make that transaction to pay fifty, a hundred, three hundred thousand dollars. Um, the same thing with mortgages. If you're going to be buying a mortgage, you're probably not going to necessarily buy it online. So that lead is is worth something to the advertiser, um, and they basically can calculate it based on the amount of revenue that is then generated by that lead and then sort of backing into a dollar figure. And that's the what we call the bounty or the amount of money that they would give for each one of those names. Typically, it's name, address, telephone number, email address, um, those types of, you know, pretty much general information. That's, that's a really interesting way of looking at it. I've never really taken that perspective. The, <laughs> well, that's uh, why I'm the advertiser the, side and you're the publisher <laughs> side. <laughs> all about the consumer not necessarily wanting to buy those big ticket items immediately. Hey, yeah. yeah. That makes sense. And by the way, when we talk about bounty per lead, we're really talking about lead generation. That's a, another common terminology that's out in the market. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so we kind of talked about the three CPA models that are that are c- currently in use. Just to throw this out there, there the, you know, the Internet marketing advertising space is always evolving, as, as, as we're all really well aware. Uh, and, again, those emerging markets that, that Kim and I have mentioned earlier today uh, are out there in, in, in driving change. So things like podcasting, like we're doing today, um, or video casting, or the use of RSS feeds and tagging and social networks and just blog networks and really anything, any company that's currently operating the Web 2.0 space uh, is, is really going to shake things up quite a bit. It doesn't mean that the payout models will change, but we'll have to adapt them. Yes, absolutely. And I, the other thing we didn't mention, which is a model that um, I, sometimes comes up a lot with advertisers, is that they still want to pay on a, on a CPC, um, which is cost per click. And, um, you know, we, we as Commission Junction, I know we try and, um, you know, steer a little bit away from that. Um, but that's mainly because we don't want to be generating clicks that aren't uh, warranted. So there are you know, particular times when you do want to do a CPC. I think, Brian, probably an email. I know that's, that's come up a few times. Sure. And yeah, and I mean, at the bottom line, you know, if, if we can get uh, either CPC or CPA to work as a pay-for-performance model, that's really what we're all about because we want, and when we say performance, it has to perform for the advertisers. They don't want to be paying for something that's going to be a junk lead or a junk sale that gets returned in 30 days, right? <laughs> Absolutely, and I think that's where, you know, that's a lot of times where we as the advertiser representatives a lot of times try and tell our advertisers to steer away from CPC, but I want to mention it because I think it does work in some models and and as long as you are doing it in a controlled setting. There are absolutely times when the CPC makes the, the best sense for everything, or for everyone involved, rather. It really underlines the fact that advertisers are are looking at publishers really as an outside sales force. They are. They're they're really looking at them and in uh, to make sure that they're generating more and more revenue for them. Just you know, just as you said, just as an outside sales force, or just as you would do with a you know a banner ad. You want to try and generate as much revenue as possible. Um, but really, it's a cost. It's a you know CPA. It's pay for performance. So if if the consumer's not buying anything and the ad is up there, um, you're not making any money. Just as if your salespeople were going out and knocking on thousands of doors, but they're never selling anything, they're not really a good good salesperson for you. So I know when we talk to publishers, and um, we, we want to make sure that they're 
doing the right thing by the advertiser. Um, and I'm sure you from the other, you know, from the other side, from the publisher side, have had numerous conversations with advertisers of why their product may not be selling for them. Right. So, so, so I'm a publisher, right? And I want to know what kind of things are advertisers today providing us to really help generate more revenue. And, and maybe there's an example you could throw out there. Sure. I mean, um, you know, there's there's actually a couple advertisers out there who are providing tools for the publishers. So they're providing their own specific websites that just have to do with affiliate marketing. And so um, they lead their publishers to those sites to be able to pick up the top ten deals. So this way, the publishers know, hey, these are the top these are the top ten things that are selling. I don't have to necessarily worry about the rest of the products because um, I know that there's some publishers out there that, especially the search hubs that are really looking for just what are the things that are going to generate the most revenue for me. So when you say top sellers, these are literally the top sellers that the, the, the advertiser has been monitoring over the last month or so, and like you said, the, the publishers are going to be mainly interested in that because the, they can draw the conclusion that the largest amount of search volume is occurring on those types of products. Yes, exactly, exactly. So they're, they, they'll know these are, the, these are the ones that are selling overall either on their site or offline and online. So they don't have to worry about the rest of the, the stuff that's, that's out there. Um, they also, the other tools that they also can give to them are um, tools that can um, get them into their product, data, product catalog or data feeds. We, we sort of use those interchangeable and that enables them to be able to put the the items on their site um, that are the most you know pertinent to their also that are best sellers as well. Um, and a lot there are some large advertisers who are out there who are giving these tools to the publishers to make sure that they're selling selling more. As we as we talked about, this is your sales force. So the more things you can give to them to generate more revenue, the better it is for the advertiser. Well, let's see. I, I know. Just as one last example, then, um, well, a couple of more examples. Uh, Audible.com, which is the, uh, the Audible bookseller that, that sells books on tape online, essentially. They sell it on tape and CD-ROM and other ways. But I know that they have used RSS feeds really um, successfully in order to allow publishers to create uh, in-depth, co-branded sites, essentially, um, that are selling quite a number of online books. And, you know, another example would be the, the fact that eBay has an API that gives access to all of their auctions for publishers. So the publishers can essentially create a third-party website that's featuring eBay auctions, and, and they can drive consumer traffic into, those, into their, uh, their personal sites, and uh, those consumers end up on eBay buying things. Yeah, and I, I know eBay's been uh, very forward-thinking with, with working with their publishers and uh, you know, I, I think um, you know other advertisers are starting now to really look at some of what eBay and um, I didn't mention specifically, but I know Buy.com has some a lot of tools out there, and those you know those tools those two advertisers are ones who seem to be fairly forward thinking. All right, we've got lots of um, publishers and lots of advertisers out there, and we know that networks can help uh, them find each other, and there's lots of great offers and lot, there's lots of great tools. What actually makes a successful affiliate relationship. You know, at the end of the day, what does everybody want? The publisher wants money. The advertiser wants money. And really, what does money mean? Publishers, it means commissions. And how can they generate more commissions? And for advertisers, it means return on investment. 
So really, they want to they want to be able to not only be able to pay the publishers because obviously that's that's who's generating the revenue for them, but make sure that that return is not making them lose money. Um, so driving as much revenue online um, in a in a, a fairly cost effective way. Absolutely, and 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 in order for me as a publisher to to achieve. The largest uh, amount of revenue possible that's you know dangling in front of my eyes as I hear it. <laughs> oh boy, I'm going to make a hundred thousand dollars this month, or I'm going to make a million dollars this month. Um, you have to have a lot of your ducks lined up to get there. And, and the really one fundamental thing that I would throw out there to any publishers that want to achieve that is you have to think about your business from the eyes of the advertisers, and, and really it comes down to creating trust. It's it's that fundamental. You're right. You're right. And I think that uh, you know you 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 said it the right way. I think advertisers too have to look at it from a publisher's perspective. And I know in conversations that I've had with advertisers, we sometimes have to step back. We don't. There's always a lot of times not a face with the name, um, and they don't. They haven't really spoken to them. It seems like people know who all the advertisers are just because they're typically big brand names. But publishers, a lot of times, they don't know them, so they can't relate to what their their models are and how right. they're driving business. So trusting them is sometimes very difficult to do. Um, so we try. I know we try at Commission Junction to to get them, you know, get the communication open and help them to trust them every single month and make sure that there's communication back and forth between the advertiser and the publisher and that as the publisher is driving more sales or more leads for that advertiser, that the trust is increasing. And one of the great things about the network model, uh, at least at the Commission Junction, is that once you have kind of established yourself in the network, at least to a base level. Uh, you know, you have an active account, you've created some affiliations on your own, you have a little bit of a track record in terms of driving traffic and revenue. Um, the next thing that you want to do, both as a publisher and as an advertiser, is uh, get to a point where you have a dedicated account manager that's inside of uh, the network, Commission Junction in this case, and acting as an advocate for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah with the opposite party. So if I'm a publisher and I'm working with a, a publisher account manager, that account manager can then become you know, my favorite person inside of CJ mm-hmm. who's going out and, and contacting advertisers on my behalf and talking to them about my business, my business model, and, and helping to establish that trust, helping to build the relationships with the individual advertisers that you want to work with, um, bringing new ideas back to me and saying, hey, you know, you've, you've been successful with brand X, why not try brand Y as well, because they have all these great things to offer you. Uh, and I know that from the advertiser's standpoint, they, you know, you, you, your team is, is really active and, and enjoys uh, getting in touch with folks like myself and folks that are on the publisher development team, right? Oh, absolutely, and I and they and they really enjoy. You know, I know the advertisers enjoy talking to the publishers directly sometimes, just to to find out, you know, what are they doing, at, you know. Early on in our conversation here, we talked about we talked about search and um, organic search, and that sometimes is something that the advertisers just they don't understand how it's working, and so sometimes you just need to get the two of them talking so they understand. Um, again, we go I'll, I'll go back to what we talked about with these are your salespeople, and so if you want them, if you want the publishers to be successful, and you want the affiliate channel to be successful, they need to understand what they're doing and um, and how they can help you drive more sales and how you can incent them that's going to be worthwhile to them. Exactly. All right. Well, 
you know, the bottom of the, the, bottom of the, uh, the hour here, we're really talking about um, the most important things for publishers and advertisers. It's all about commissions and ROI, um, but it also relies a lot on trust. And having said that, I think uh, it's about time to feed some of our, our sponsors and bills. <laughs> so why don't we go to a break, and when we come back, uh, we're going to be talking about kind of some of the trends that we see happening in the affiliate marketing space, and we'll do our best to you know, have a very casual conversation about that. Be right back. You're just minutes away from more Affiliate Marketing Today. Stay tuned. affiliate program to partner with? Hey, all we're trying to do is make the most money in the least amount of time. The answer is simple. JoeBucks.com, the world's leading herbal affiliate program. JoeBucks.com is the direct manufacturer, so there's no middleman. This will allow you to make up to 50% the highest payouts on the net and also get paid twice a month. Sign up today and watch your income grow. JoeBucks.com. Increase your organization's bottom line with unique, highly effective, permission-based email solutions from exact target now discover why more than 4,000 organizations worldwide rely on exact targets on demand software for strengthening customer relationships and controlling email throughout their enterprise get superior technology and support for bottom line business impact with exact target visit www.exacttarget.com today Raising your ad inventory profits to the next level today is as simple as xy7.com, the only affiliate network giving you top payouts daily. Plus, you'll enjoy over 100 fresh high-converting offers, your own xy7.com debit card, good anywhere, and true 24-7 dedicated support. Our affiliate managers even sleep with their Blackberries. So why run your ads anywhere else? Let your site work harder for you today with xy7.com so you won't have to. Once a tool used exclusively for communicating with the media, PR Web was the first company to develop a distribution strategy around direct-to-consumer communication by implementing Web 2.0 technologies. PR Web has completed the online communication loop by directly engaging your audience with your news. For example, PR Web is the first newswire to integrate press release trackback. Whether you want to dominate your market or just make a little noise, PR Web is here to help. You thrive in the marketplace and the media. PR Web. Now, back to Affiliate Marketing Today, only on webmasterradio.fm. Here's your host. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome to uh, Affiliate Marketing Today. I'm Kim Dalzell, and I have Brian Caldwell here as well. And we actually just spoke about some basic business models used by um, publishers and advertisers and spoke about how we how advertisers pay publishers, um, and just sort of how the how we work together. And we're going to jump into our next segment, which, if you recall, in our first segment, we talked about how we do we break it out into a beginner and intermediate, advanced. So this is a slightly more advanced segment, and we're really going to focus on some of the industry trends and what direction is the market heading. Uh, previously, we mentioned a couple of the emerging markets, so we want to drill down into a couple of those. And so I think we'll, what we'll start off with is search. So we talked about search as being a paid search, with, which I think most people are familiar with, where you pay for a click, and um, if you generate a sale from it, then you get your return on your investment. Um, 
And then there's organic search, which is really building a site that will be higher in the rankings in Google so that you're not paying for the click, but you are, you know, you're essentially paying to build that, that site. Um, and then I think the third one is what Brian, I'd actually have Brian talk about since he's pretty much closest to it. So if you want to talk about a little bit about local search? Sure, yeah. So in addition to the, the uh, kind of paid click arbitrage and paid inclusion and organic uh, placements on uh, Google and Yahoo and MSN search and Ask, uh, those are the kind of the top, uh, top tier sites. There's, there's some other emerging um, search engines out there. Uh, we'll probably save that discussion for a future date. But one thing I, I wanted to mention here, since it's it's a it's just recently been kind of all over search engine strategies sh- trade show in New York in the last couple, week or so, uh, and that's the, the concept of local search. Um, I think this is a really exciting thing, and if you can get your head around this as as both an advertiser and a publisher, um, there there's some significant incremental revenues to be achieved here. Um, really what it comes down to is taking the um, capabilities of a local search, like I think it's local.yahoo.com, forgive me, Jeremy and Tim, um, but uh, Google also has a local search engine, and the idea is that when you're doing a, a keyword search, you're going to be um, bringing up a search engine result which features those brick-and-mortar solutions that are in a local region. So, for instance, if I do a search for television and I enter in a city and state or a zip code, then I'm going to find brick-and-mortar results for local solutions. Um, Best Buy, for example, might pop up in their their, um, stores that are in my region. And the really interesting thing about that is, you know, yeah, you're 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 really appealing to the market in in the space in which they're looking. So it's not a generalized search that's occurring out there somewhere, uh, with the end user finding a lot of online results. They're actually finding a store that's that's local to them. They can actually drive in and make a purchase, um, or simply click online and. Um, you know, f- find the results through an online store. So there's, there's a few options there. And, of course, with the advertisers that are in our network that, um, you know, the large brands that we have, a lot of them have brick-and-mortar stores where uh, a technique such as using local search could uh, meld really nicely. And I, I think one of the good points about this is, from a con- consumer perspective, is it's getting those folks who may really want to buy that TV, but they want to touch it and they want to really see it. So they may be, um, you know, they may buy it on, they may buy it at a, you know, Circuit City, and then go and pick it up in the store, and they know where the store is located by using, you know, cert- local search. Right. Actually, that's a really good and important point because I believe there have been some studies recently that said people will do the local search, go and see it, then come back online and buy it. Right, right, and I and and I think a lot of the advertisers today are seeing seeing that being beneficial. You know, either either vice versa, they'll either go in the store, they'll check something out, and then they'll go online and buy it, or they'll go online and then they'll go in the store and purchase it. Yes, exactly. So it it kind of goes both ways, and so one of the things I think that leads to is how do you incent the publisher to you know to make sure they're getting paid for these types of things? So. Brian, being on the publisher side, maybe you want to talk about what the publishers like in these kind of scenarios, or how you think it's going to work. 
Well, I think it comes down to providing the publisher with the tools that will help them with the local search so that they can attract the traffic that they need. And, you know, at the end of the day, the click needs to occur through the publisher's uh, link for them to get tracked and, and the purchase to be uh, applied to their account. So, you know, there, there are definitely some tools that advertisers can provide, such as zip code lookups and of the store locations and descriptions and, and, uh, and whatnot. We can probably a, a much more <laughs> topic. So, we'll have a whole um, show on it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what are some of the other, some of the other uh, trends that we're seeing here? You know, I, I think one that that's, uh, was a trend a while ago and went away for a little bit and is coming back is email. You know, with canned spam, uh, I think when canned spam first came out, there was a lot of, I guess what I'd, I'd say, panic around, oh, no, now I can't send out email. And yeah. I, kn- I know advertisers were a little scared about what they could or couldn't do. And I know we had a lot of conversations with legal departments, which I personally don't like to do. Um, but it sounds like now that can spam has, has been around for a while, we know what we can and we can't do, um, it sounds like email's coming back a little bit. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Can spam in 2003 was definitely a, a, a wet blanket on the industry. <laughs> uh, and I think for, for just reason. I mean, I don't know about you, but in, in my multiple email accounts, I was getting way too much spam. But oh, the I know. News, the good news of the, uh, that the can spam legislation is that it did pretty much squelch a lot of that, that junk stuff. Um, obviously, you're still getting things from, you know, not to call it individual countries, but maybe Russia and Singapore and so on. Um, but today, what the, if, if you're an email publisher and you embrace a relationship with a network such as CJ, uh, then and you comply with the canned spam requirements, then you're actually sitting pretty because the, the email channel is still a fantastic way to generate revenue because it's, it's really direct to the consumer. It, at this point, it's all opt-in and permission-based. And the, the really good um, publishers out there that have the technology behind them, such as Daytran Media, um, is able to really segment uh, their audience you know, those fo- folks that are actually receiving emails and match the audience demographics and, and be- behavioral aspects up to an offer that's being sent through email in a very, very granular way so that, uh, and not only that, but also at the time when the consumer is online through the use of things like autoresponders and so on. And, and the benefit there is obviously the, the really high conversion rate because if you present the consumer with an offer that they're interested in at the time when they're online and thinking about buying something very similar, then you know, you're pretty much at the tail of buying cycle and you can get that conversion to occur really easily. Yeah, I mean, I, I know that uh, Dan, I always say their name wrong, Daytran, right? I, you know, I hope I'm not saying it wrong. <laughs> um, I know that they've been they've done some great things with a lot of advertisers, but um, one thing that we didn't mention, and I know um, it has works well, is also some of these loyalty sites who send out, you know, what I would ca- classify as a multiple merchant or a multiple advertiser email, and those letter. work out well too. Sure. Just because they um, they're covering multiple merchants that typically aren't conflicting, so you could have somebody from Consumer Electronics and you could have a mortgage company on the same email um, and it's going to a large consumer base that could choose, you know, one or two of those items that are on, you know, advertisers that are on that email. And it doesn't, it doesn't really cost the, anything for the advertiser. 
Sure, yeah, that's a really, really good point to bring up because there really are two different, at least two different models of email. And this is solo drops, which I was talking about earlier, which, um, as it relates to canned spam, does require a suppression file of, of do not mail names and um, a few other things to comply to canned spam. But what you're talking about, the, the kind of member newsletters, which are newsletters going out to a, a member base of the publisher themselves as opposed to third-party lists with the solo drops, it doesn't require a suppression list. It's a little easier to comply, uh, much easier to comply with canned spam. And as you said, it's a mixture of offers as opposed to a single offer going out. And so if you have a member base uh, that, you know, it, maybe it's moms with kids, you know that you can put in multiple types of offers and uh, get that traffic to convert off of, you know, one, two, three, or four different offers at once. Right, like a, a you promise I know does that they send out they send out offers. I hear the moms with kids, which I am a mom with kids, so I always read <laughs> promise emails myself um and I know that that you know they send out multiple offers and they are going to that demographic, which are typically spending money online. They are the ones who are you know so you've got a captive audience. I think there was the other one we wanted to briefly talk about, I believe was apis yes. and that I, that to me to me is advanced <laughs> <laughs> this is actually a very advanced. And, you know, this API stands for Application Programming Interface, right? So right there, it's got the word programming in it. So uh, you, you will need to have um, some knowledge of, of how to work with a program language, although uh, there are third-party tools out there, again, that can help publishers work with feeds. Um, I'm thinking of one in particular, and it's called Golden Can, which is a really interesting program. You might want to check them out. I believe it's goldencan.com. Mm -hmm. But the bottom line is APIs allow um, publishers to create interfaces and functionality on their end and then kind of hook through to data sources on the advertiser's side. So the, the data sources might be images of product and prices of product and descriptions of product. Uh, and, uh, of course, the ever-important CJ tracking link. Um, but they can take that data and they can mash it up in a number of different ways, and literally mash it up in certain, certain ways. So maybe the publisher wants to create a Google Maps mashup uh, that, that works with local search techniques and is using uh, the data coming in through an API feed from a brick-and-mortar store like um, Circuit City, and they get to, to produce a localized map that is perfectly matched to the, circuit, the needs of Circuit City, so the driving traffic to the Circuit City um, product and getting the conversions to occur. So a lot of different things you can do with APIs. So would an API be something, I know, I know eBay uses um, APIs, so if I'm, a, if I'm a publisher trying to um, do eBay products, it's basically giving me the ability to create my own site that shows specific e eBay products that change, because eBay products obviously change very quickly. Yeah, that's actually a good point, too. Um, so the, the, the factor of time, you know, you want to make sure that the information you're presenting to your audience is, is always timely. And when you're pulling links that are static out of, say, tr you know, traditional network or even from some of the more direct programs, you, that, that link is static, and it, it, it'll, it'll stay that way you know, with the same type of data and, until you physically change that. So think about holiday time, right? You've got a very fast-paced market, and some uh, advertisers will say, you know, you've got 20 days till Christmas, your shipping costs are X. Uh, 10 days till Christmas, you know, shipping costs are free or whatever. You know, that data is going to change, or that maybe it goes out of stock. 
and you want to make sure that you're not presenting out-of-stock information to your consumers who are trying to convert, because you've, if you are, you, you've just wasted your time, because you're not going to be able to convert that consumer, so you've essentially wasted clicks and the, and the money right. that you might have spent to drive that traffic to that offer. And you're hurting not only the publisher, but the advertiser. I think that that's important, because if you're a consumer and you, you click on a product that's out-of-stock, what's the first, you know, the first thing you're going to do is go back and shop someplace else. And so you want to try and you don't want that to happen. Exactly. Well, there's, there's a number of different other different models out there. Um, I think there's one other that I, I was uh, wanting to mention. That's the kind of comparison shopping engines. This is an interesting space for me. Um, it, it's an established space. Obviously, you know, there's Shopzilla and there's there's Price Runner and uh, others out there in the space that are doing uh, kind of the site portal approach to shopping comparison, where they get to pull offers from uh, across a number of different advertisers and present that to consumers so they can choose based on price or location. But the, the new thing I wanted to throw out there is kind of the new format of comparison shopping. Um, recently, well, not too recently, say uh, six, eight months ago, uh, there was a new site mentioned or they launched out there, uh, a company called Chitika, and uh, run by a guy named Venkat Kalori. He's an interesting guy. Um, but they're using a standard IAB unit-sized banner to display a shopping comparison engine with multiple tabs. And the really cool thing about this is that, yeah, it's, you know, it's data being presented in a standard format, but the conversion factor is, is much higher uh, due to the, the way that it, it works. Um, I'm actually finding it hard to describe it right now, <laughs> but I'm not <laughs> sure if you've seen these types of, of different I, I've seen I've seen shopping comparison sites, and I think our uh, marketing department would be very upset if we didn't mention our shopping comparison site, which is Price Runner. Yep. <laughs> I think I did mention that, but <laughs> there's, there's, it's definitely one of the best. I think PC Magazine just listed it as the best pricing comparison engine out there. Yeah, but uh, you, you're right. Pricing, pricing comparison, op- uh, especially for... Consumer electronics, cameras, those things that are high high ticket, but people usually consumers usually know what they're buying. Um, do do great from an advertiser perspective. They love to be on them. Exactly. Um, they're always asking for that. Okay, I think uh, we've run out of time today, but um, thank you for joining us with our first show of affiliate marketing today. And uh, just as a reminder, you, you're listening to us live, hopefully, but you can also grab this as a podcast or uh, even listen to us on your cell phone with the MobileCast Network, uh, which you can find on the homepage of webmasterradio.fm. also wanted to mention that if you have any questions or want information about anything you've heard on the show today, we have set up an email address, which you can send email to us at podcasts, that's plural, P-O-D-C-A-S-T-S, at cj.com. Please drop us a note. Tell us if you love us. Tell us if you hate us. We won't find either way. Talk to you soon.